At the end of the day, good government is all about managing infrastructure to serve the people. Now that infrastructure must also be resilient to climate change. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations like the innovative solutions deployed by the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District to address water management in the city of Chicago. My guest today is Josina Morita, Commissioner of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago. Commissioner, thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me. Commissioner, you have a long list of diverse accomplishments. The first Asian American elected to a countywide board in Cook County. You serve on a number of boards. In 2007, you were named as the top 35 leaders under 35, fighting racism, poverty in Chicago by the Community Renewal Society. In 2016, you were named one of 50 young Asian American stars in politics by Asian Fortune magazine. And in 2017, you received the Spirit of the River Award from Friends of the Chicago River. You've got a BEA in sociology and a master's in urban planning. Of all your accomplishments, what are you most proud of? Um, I think I'm, you know, if people saw the Chicago Sun-Times say, I'm most proud. I chair the Asian American Caucus. I ran as the first Asian American uh, countywide here in the second largest county in the country. And I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I was the first and I always pledged to not be the last. And mm -hmm. we have grown our Asian American Caucus from zero to 10 members in just the last six years. We just won 19 out of 23 primaries across the state. Um, so that, along with just being able to use my platform, not only to empower Asian Americans, but to empower young people, the next generation, to think about water and new, creative, dynamic ways. Um, I think it's, you know, as elected officials, we do the work at the board, the operating and the policy. But I think I'm most proud of the work that we do to engage communities and, and to really change hearts and minds. And what do you attribute your success to, to getting so many uh, Asian Americans uh, elected to office? A little bit of hard work and a little bit of luck. Uh, <laughs> you know, it took over 100 years for us to break through what we call the bamboo ceiling and and have a number of firsts. I was the first elected countywide in 2016. Um, Teresa Ma was the first in the General Assembly. And so I think that people, there's that saying, you have to see it to be it. Um, and I think people started to see that it was possible. Um, and we saw really smart, talented, coalition-minded Asian Americans deciding to run. Ram Villavalam, our first in the state Senate. Um, Nicole Lee just became our first Chinese-American alderman uh, in Chinatown. And so it's just been amazing to see the growth and can't take too much personal credit. But I think that um, a, little, a little hard work, a little bit of luck. Well, congratulations on all your success. Um, the MWRD employs approximately 2,000 people. That makes it one of the largest employers in the city of Chicago. What kind of projects does the staff work on? So I always say MWRD is the most important agency that nobody knows exists, <laughs> except for people like you. Um, we are $1.2 billion agency, second largest landowners in Cook County, play a key role in protecting the Great Lakes that hold 90% of the U.S. water supply, 20% of the world's fresh surface water, employ 2,000 people, like you said, the bulk of whom are at one of our seven plants, uh, water treatment plants across Cook County. Um, where I live, the closest one is the O'Brien plant, which is at Howard and McCormick. Local kids call it the duty factory. Um, but we have uh, amazing engineers, laborers, uh, painters, plumbers, everybody uh, from the trades in particular 
who work at operating our plants that every time you flush that toilet, every time wet water goes down the shower, the sink drain, when there's big rainstorms and it goes down that sewer drain, it comes to one of our seven plants and we treat it on site, not in this kind of big factory chemical kind of way like some people expect to see at our plants, but really replicating the natural process with settlement tanks. Um, and some of our plants, like the one down the street from me, we even treat it um, an additional time with uh, ultraviolets and other plants we do it with chlorine. And we are now at a point where a hundred years ago, we were putting raw sewage, dead animals, uh, back into our, our river uh, waters. And now what we put back in is actually cleaner than river water. I made beer out of it a few years ago. <laughs> um, so uh, the great 2000 employees that we have, they they keep our plants running, they keep our water treated, they keep our waterways clean. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, good government is all about managing infrastructure. It's not sexy, but it's what makes cities run really well. So you know, thank you for and all those employees for all their hard work. And a great segue is Chicago has a long history of fantastic water engineering projects, starting with the reversing the flow of the Chicago River all the way back in the 1900s, so that all that pollution would flow out of Lake Michigan into the Mississippi River. That was an engineering feat, even by today's standards. And the deep tunnel project, I was lucky enough to go down there during some of the construction is really an underground river to manage stormwater runoff. So if you could just give us a summary of these two projects and then the connection to Chicago's old combined sewer system to the deep tunnel project. Those are big ones. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so the reversal of the river, right? Because it used to flow into Lake Michigan, right? So whatever we were putting into our Chicago area waterways, again, a hundred years ago, raw sewage, dead animals, factory, waste was going into Lake Michigan, which is our drinking water source. We thought that wasn't the best idea. Um, and some amazing engineers, like, I mean, it is continues to be a modern, you know, a marvel uh, to reverse the flow of the Chicago River. So now our waste goes downstream. We take our responsibility of making sure that what we put back into those waterways is of uh, much better environmental quality. Um, but that was, um, I mean, like you said, if engineers tried to do that today, it would be quite a feat in and of itself. So the fact that they were able to do that um, really is one of uh, the most amazing things from an engineering standpoint. And then the deep tunnel is one of the largest infrastructure projects in U.S. history. Um, they are three major uh, storm, combined sewer, storm and sewer water reservoirs. Uh, Thornton Quarry was dug up um, about 2016, it was completed, um, and it was the largest reservoir in the world when it was completed. Uh, phase one is completed at McCook, which is out in the western suburbs. Um, when phase two is completed, that will be the new largest reservoir in the world. And for all of the billions and billions of gallons of water that it will hold with Majewski as well in the northwest suburbs, it will be the equivalent of about half an inch of rain on the county surface. Mm. And so we have learned that we cannot just dig our way um, out of this problem, that great infrastructure alone is part of the solution. Uh, but as we talk about resilience and water management, that that also has to include water conservation, water reuse, um, on-site capture, 
um, of water and green infrastructure from green alleys to green roofs to water retention on site. Um, and so it's an amazing kind of system that we have here. We are an older city, like many other older cities, we have what's called combined sewer system. So that means that our stormwater and our sewage water go to the same place. They're not separated. Lots of modern cities have separated systems. Ours go to the same place. So that means that when we have really large rain events, like we even saw this week, um, our sewers are full uh, and back up with stormwater, but because they're combined, as soon as our stormwater goes down the drain, it becomes sewer water, becomes black water because it touches the sewer water that goes to the same place. And so when there's these large rain events and they back up, it's not just the rainwater and the stormwater backing up into your basement um, or overflowing into the Chicago area waterways. And when waters reach a certain level, we have to open up the gates, these magical gates that people talk about. Um, and that water goes back into Lake Michigan, into our drinking water source. And so um, that is why water conservation, water management, stormwater management is so important because it's not just about what goes down the drain and being able to keep it contained down there. When we have these large water um, storm events, um, it really is dangerous in terms of what we're releasing back into our drinking water supply. Yes, and it is a challenge. What would it take to separate the source? Oh, man. I mean, it would be <laughs> billions of dollars, decades of work. Um, and I mean, I, I would say that there are debates as to whether that's the best system um, for a number of different reasons. You know, combined sewer helps with flow. It helps, you know with uh, the wastewater treatment process because it's less concentrated. There's different There's different reasons why uh, I think that it's, while modern cities tend to have separated some debate whether it's better or not, I would say the best thing that we're doing right now is being able to manage our storm and sewer water systems. We have been able to significantly decrease the amount of what they call combined sewer overflows from dozens a year down to less than, you know, just a, maybe one or two a year now. Um, so we're really proud of that work. Well, you mentioned green infrastructure. Uh, using green roofs as really sponges to soak up that water or using uh, plants to get rid of pipes so that, again, you've got bioswales that remove that. Where does the uh, 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 MWRD stand on that? We are big proponents of, of green infrastructure. I mean, we are an all-of-the-above strategy agency, so we 100% continue to... Uh, finish our gray infrastructure projects uh, like the deep tunnel. We also have local targeted infrastructure projects like Al the Albany Park Tunnel. So areas that are along our waterways that have high flood uh, propensity being able to put targeted local uh, tunnels and reservoirs there to alleviate the flooding in, in those areas. But we also believe in green infrastructure from green alleys to green roofs to uh, we passed our watershed management ordinance. Um, we've updated it a, a number of times, but that basically requires that larger developments have to be able to be rainwater neutral. And that means that the amount of water that hits your surface, you should be able to capture on site. Um, and so that has increased the amount of native plants, green roofs, green alleys, permeable surfaces, large water retention areas, 
all of that so that we don't have the density um, and runoff that we were starting to uh, be overwhelmed by with the overdevelopment without kind of rainwater considerations. And so we're really proud of that work too, but it it is really an all hands de on deck, all of the above. And you're right. It's very complicated, especially in cities with very large populations where construction is very difficult. We have to use all options. Well, it's very timely to have you on the show. Uh, right now, it seems like... Uh, we have a global crisis with water. Either cities have too much water or they have too little water. The West Coast has been in a long-term drought. The Hoover Dam is very close to turning off the turbines because the water levels have gone almost below the point where the hydroelectric power can be produced. Uh, the Yangtze River in China is experiencing similar conditions, uh, drying and uh, uh, troubles with hydroelectric power. And then you had Jackson, Mississippi, where floods caused the city's largest water treatment plant to fail, leaving citizens without safe drinking water. And you've got Miami with sea level rise, uh, flooding areas along the coast. So climate change is real. It's impacting the weather. But it takes time and money to improve infrastructure, especially in big cities. You, you don't have a lot of space and it's very expensive. So as a commissioner, how do you adapt to the changing environment? And how is Chicago hardening its water system to be more resilient to climate change? Yeah, I mean, it's really, you know, one of our incoming MWRD commissioners, Yumika Brown, just brought her son back from Jackson, Mississippi. He was in college down there and, uh, you know, with the water crisis there. And we've seen this in the Southland. We are not immune to a lot of these issues here in Cook County. Sometimes we think that that's over there on the West Coast or that's over there in the third world or... Um, but it is here at home. Um, I live in Skokie. I know in my uh, my gym used to be in Morton Grove, and I remember there were times that there were uh, water shutoffs or boil water notices. And um, down in the Southland and in other areas, we've had both either astronomical water bills um, or we've had uh, you know lack of you know clean drinking water. Um, so this is an issue that all cities, not just Chicago. Um, have to take seriously. I grew up in California under drought conditions. So I grew up with brown, flush it down, uh, put a brick in your toilet uh, to make it a low flow toilet. Um, you know, so I grew up with those things. And I think Chicago is, um, it's, it's, we're lucky that we live in a city where we have had forward thinking mayors um, and leaders at the state and county levels that are really trying to think proactively. Um, we are a very water rich region because uh, we're right on Lake Michigan. We sometimes look at it in our backyard and think that it's all ours. Uh, like I said, 90% of the U.S. water supply, 20% of, of the world's fresh surface water, it's not all ours. And with that great privilege comes great responsibility. And so um, I think investments in our water infrastructure, we are lucky to be living in a period right now where we are talking about infrastructure. Um, we are seeing money at the federal and state and local levels going to infrastructure which have been neglected um, for decades. Um, and so I think that that is the, you know, the number one uh, thing that is going to help us. But we also see a lot of industry. We see a lot of green technology. We see a lot of innovation, a lot of lead certified buildings, a lot of culture change happening here while we are water rich, right? We can't be water spoiled. Um, and so uh, it is exciting right now, I think, to see what Chicago and the region are doing um, both on the great infrastructure, capital investment side, but also on the innovation and technology side. 
Well, and to that point, we've had many people on the show over the years to talk about water. And recently we had Elena Harkness uh, with Current and the Chicago Water Innovation Hub that talked about the blue economy. In Margaret Frisbee, we've had several times Friends of the Chicago River. They do just a fantastic job at restoring that. We're from the Chicago River every year together. Yes, (laughs) they do a great job. And then Peter Glick, we had from the Pacific Institute in California, where you're Mm -hmm. from. So since you you were born in California, tell us, how does the water culture differ from Chicago and Western states like California? When you don't have water, you think about it every day, right? It's just part of the culture that I grew up with. You turn off the faucet while you're brushing your teeth. We've had a brick in our toilet to make it a low flow toilet. You know, we just didn't flush unless, you know, we had to flush. We didn't water our lawns. I mean, even just the landscaping is different there. You have a lot of native plants, a lot of succulents, things that we don't have green lawns. Um, And moving to Chicago, people, when you have water, you don't think about it. I guess it's kind of like maybe when you have money, you don't think about it. Um, And so I think that there is just a culture here. We, We take it for granted. Uh, We don't think about it. And I think there's even a culture where we don't think that we have to, um, that we don't have to conserve water because the lake levels are high, although that doesn't impact what our agreement is with the Great Lakes Compact. And that doesn't uh, take away the, the, you know, electrical, uh, the electric costs, the uh, carbon costs, the actual fiscal costs to to treat and manage water that we're using that we don't need to be using. So I think it's a huge difference to come here and see how much we don't think about water. Well, in closing, uh, you just brought up another good point. We have this wonderful natural resource, uh, one of the largest freshwater lakes. Water is abundant. So how do you get people to be aware of their water footprint and really care enough to conserve water when we see water all around us? I mean, I find, I mean, we should be talking to everybody, but I find when I talk to young people, they get it really quickly. Um, You know, we launched this thing on World Water Day a number of years ago. Every year we do what we call the Million Gallon Challenge because there is the water that we see, um, right? And people talk a lot about put a bucket in your shower, turn the water off at the faucet. And those are important things, but they're kind of high threshold things. They're things that people who really, really care are willing to kind of do. It's a burden in like kind of your everyday life, but and it saves maybe like five, 10 gallons here and there. Um, So what we've really tried to focus on is our water footprint, that invisible water, the water that you don't see, which is really where the bulk of the water that we use comes from. So things as simple as eating chicken instead of beef for one meal can save 500 gallons of water. Not buying that extra pair of jeans, not buying more stuff, um, you know, is also another huge way to save water. And so we have, it looks like an app, it's milliongallonchallenge.com and you can pick it a challenge. We keep it up all year, even though we launch it during World Water Day. And you can think of, you'll see all of these different things that you can save 200 gallons of water, 500 gallons of water with simple choices that you can do every day or just incorporate into your life and and save millions of gallons of water. And so we're trying to educate everybody, but particularly young people on how to make smarter choices that are water conscious choices. It doesn't mean you Uh, don't use water doesn't mean you don't ever eat beef, but these are small choices that you can make that can make a big difference over time. Well, I, Commissioner Marita, I really appreciate you being on the show. We covered a lot of information. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, mention before we go? 
Um, I just, I again, I think that changing the way that people think about water, I think it's it's on the user end, right? So that's what we have to work on. As MWRD, we do the work that we can on, you know, we that comes down the drain. But at the end of the day, we are challenging people out there to use less water, to think about water differently. Um, because at the end of the day, if we don't change consumer behavior, um, and kind of what our what we consider to be our water need, we use twice as much water as people in most other countries a day, um, that it's going to continue to cost us money, have environmental harm. Um, and so we ask people to really just start to think about how you think about water. Think about the water that you use, the water that you see, the water that you don't see. Take the million gallon challenge and, and know that this is not just for us here, that it's really for the rest of the country and the rest of the world. Well, after speaking with you, I think that your success wasn't luck. I think you're smart, you're affable, and you're a good communicator. So thank you very much for joining us on Green Sense. And again, for all the, uh, 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 what you and, and your, your staff does there. So thank you. Thank you. My guest this week was Hosina Marita, Commissioner of the Metropolitan Water Reclamation District of Greater Chicago, talking about the importance of managing our water infrastructure and making it resilient to climate change. Green Sense is an independent radio show that relies on support from sponsors and patrons like you to produce high-quality audio broadcasts that promote innovators with sustainable solutions. Visit the GreenSenseFarm.com website to learn more. I'm Robert Colangelo, and thank you for listening to Green Sense. And catch the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 WBBM Chicago.